Welcome back to Lessons of a Former Pastor's Wife. I'm your host, Amy Kennedy, and this is my story. It's been a busy month for me as I've been praying about and pondering the lesson I'm going to share with you today. I have talked a few times about a personal tragedy that has redefined my life. And while I'm still not released to share what has happened in this area, it has caused me to dig deep inside myself and lead hard, lean harder than ever into the saving arms of Jesus. I lived most of 2022 and the first part of 2023 in a desperate state with a perspective that couldn't see hope in pretty much any area of my life. My perspective, which was my reality at the time, was that I had lived in this life for too long and there was nothing good left in me or around me that I could lean on for kindness. My perspective would have taken me down a dark path, and it kind of did for a few days until I reached out my hand to Jesus and was pulled out of the harsh reality I had found myself living in to a place of truth that I have many, many blessings surrounding me. I have a family who loves me and cares deeply for me, and God has delivered me from much darker times of poor health. So, of course, he can and will do it again. It wasn't easy, but I was brought to a place higher than my perspective, where Jesus showed me all of the things I have to live for and be grateful for. I am tremendously blessed despite and in spite of the darkness I have lived through. Now, this month, I had an unexpected opportunity to drive down old country roads that I did not believe I would ever see again in southern Wisconsin. When I moved to the Gulf Coast of Texas, I thought I had left my life in the northern Midwest behind. But here I was driving on the same overgrown, barely paved roads I had grown so accustomed to for more than 20 years. It's been three years since I last wandered along those back roads and everything looked exactly the same as when I last passed through in 2019 and 2020. It felt as though stepping back in time and my perspective was to initially believe nothing had changed. Of course, that's not right. Everything changed. The trees have grown. Many of the familiar trees I once knew no longer exist. And the fruit of the ones that are still there is generations removed from the fruit I once looked upon. The grass and the crops along the byway from so many years ago have now withered and died and are replaced with brand new grass and crops. What I looked at as I drove down those old roads has no real recollection of what was once there. Everything, including me, has changed. It was only my faulty perspective built from memories 
of things in the past that made those familiar roads look exactly like what I once drove. The truth is that while there are similarities of the past, my perspective is flawed. But for that moment, it was my reality. I've heard it said many, many times in recent years, especially in the business world, that a person or an employee's perspective is their reality. Now, when you're dealing with employees or her members of a church, it's a good idea to keep in mind that this statement does ring true. However, I need to make it a point to state that a person's perspective may very well be their reality, but it does not signify that their reality is truth. I can't stress this point enough because I think this is a primary problem in our insanely selfish world. Your perspective may be your reality, but it's because your perspective is limited to your own experiences, your habits, your addictions, and your expectations. Your view of the people and the things around you is not necessarily the truth. And only a fool seeks to feed their own perspective in judging other people and their potential. All right, I know that sounded pretty harsh, but it's the truth. Our limited perspectives not only keep us from enjoying new relationships, but they often also lead us to prejudice and outright hatred. Of course, I have an example of this from the Bible. Um, bear with me as I read 1 Samuel 24. This set of scriptures talks about when King David, who was not king yet, spared the life of King Saul. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, my lord, the king. 
when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated, prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when your men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and be decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. The backstory here is that Saul, God's anointed king over Israel, had grown jealous of David's popularity and he tried to kill him. David's perspective was pretty bleak. He had been forced to flee a dangerous and vengeful king, leaving his wife and family behind to hide in the desert. His men were speaking into his ear contemptuous things about King Saul. And then Saul wanders right into the very cave where David is hiding. With a perspective such as David's, he could have convinced himself that it was God's very will that he kill the king. And let's face it, most people would have justified the killing. David knew he was the next anointed king of Israel. In 1 Samuel 16, the prophet of God, Samuel, is sent to anoint a shepherd boy to be the next king of Israel because King Saul was no longer following God with all his heart. 
Saul was anointed king because he fit the people's perspective and expectation of a king. The Bible describes Saul as being very tall, strong, and handsome. The perspective of everyone who saw him was that he was the perfect king. But as I mentioned before, perspective is faulty because it's built from our own life experiences, values, and assumptions that we make, as well as our own state of mind in the moment that we are viewing whatever we are viewing. Our perspective can also be built from abusive situations we've had in the past, trauma or addictions that we have endured. Anything can build our perspective, but it does not signify that that perspective is actual truth. What I love so much about this story in 1 Samuel 24 is David had the correct perspective that King Saul wanted to kill him while his perspective could have brought him to a place where he justified killing the king. His mind was broadened to see above his perspective. He understood that God had anointed Saul, even if Saul wasn't serving God. He knew that you must not lay a hand on God's anointed. And he also knew that God had anointed him, David, to succeed Saul as king. He knew Saul's murderous plans would never come to be because God would not allow it. Simply put, David got out of his own mind and his own perspective, and he was able to look above what was standing right in front of him. Now he did impulsively cut off a piece of Saul's robe and he regretted doing that. And if you want to study an impulsive person, I challenge you to study the life of King David. He is one of the most flawed, but brilliantly beautiful Bible characters we can read about. And even today, his many stories can speak volumes to us. I think the main thrust of this lesson I am sharing is that we miss out on so much when we are led by our own perspectives. I'm a prime example of one's perspective being faulty. After all my health issues over the years, one thing I have been forced to endure many, many times are IVs. <laughs> and there is one type of nurse that I shudder to see coming in my direction with an IV needle. I have had a few very bad experiences with a lot of pain when older white female nurses have done my IV. My perspective, which is based on a few painful experiences in my past, has caused me to have a, a bit of a bias against probably perfectly good nurses who never caused me any harm. They just happen to be a similar age, skin tone, and gender as those who caused me pain in the past. I still can't get past this bias. Every time I need an IV, I break out into sweats. Every time I see an older white female nurse coming at me and I'm struggling to many times try to get myself out of that point of view. And when you tense up, you make the pain so much worse when you're getting an IV. 
My last podcast focused on the prophet Elijah, whose perspective caused him a great deal of depression and eventually led to the end of his ministry. We can read several times in 1 Kings chapter 19, where Elijah mentions that he alone was left to serve God after Queen Jezebel's murderous rampage across the nation that killed the prophets of God. Elijah did not know that King Ahab's servant Obadiah, a godly man himself, had spared the lives of 100 prophets by hiding them in caves. He also did not know that God had reserved for himself 7,000 throughout the land who never bowed down and served the false gods of Jezebel. Elijah's perspective that he was the only one left to serve God was built from what he saw happening all around him. His perspective was Elijah's reality, but his perspective wasn't true. It led him to deep depression. And in 1 Kings 19 verses 1 through 14, Elijah asked God to take his life. God granted Elijah's request by sending him out to anoint others to lead the land and to appoint Elisha to replace him as prophet. And we see this incredible story of Elisha, the newly appointed prophet, being able to watch God's chariot come down from heaven and pick up Elijah and take him off. But we can't forget that effectively Elijah's faulty perspective led to the end of his ministry. I hope you're starting to understand the point I'm trying to make when it comes to our own perspectives on our lives and the situations we go through. To help highlight this even further from my own life, I want to share a Facebook post that I wrote on October 7th, 2023, just a few days ago. One year ago, I was recovering from months of radiation, a bad bout with COVID, and a major surgery where a hole was left in my foot exposing a tendon. I had no hope and was living in more physical and emotional pain than I ever thought possible. I also had no idea my entire life was about to get even worse and more pain than I could ever bear on top of four more hospitalizations and another major foot surgery plus personal pain I did not think I could survive. And I sit here today, August 7, 2023, about to embark on a great adventure in the best health I have ever been in. And I am again amazed by God's incredible blessings on my life. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know the fires I was cast into. And I know my God brought me through better and stronger than I could have believed or even imagined. Thank you, Father. I got through the darkness where my perspective, similar to Elijah's, had me feeling completely abandoned and incapable of seeing hope for a good future. So much has changed and developed in a very short amount of time. 
And I praise God that he delivered me from my darkness much earlier than my own power would have allowed. I hope you are encouraged today to hear these stories and work on changing your own perspective. Don't allow your previous experiences, your addictions, your traumas, or your heartaches to take you down a road where you limit yourself and those around you to a perspective that simply isn't truth. The reality is that this world is much bigger than my small part in it. There is always a hope for something better. I want you to understand that you will not always be in the circumstances you are currently in. And you can find freedom from darkness by sheltering in the light of Jesus's amazing grace. You will probably have to do some deep diving into yourself to find out who you really are and why you are in the situation you are in. And you may need to move somewhere to breathe brand new air and gain a new perspective. Just do your best to remember that there is always something to be thankful for. And there is always hope, even when you can't see it. There is nothing you have ever done or could ever do. And there is nothing anyone has or can do to you that can separate you from our Lord Jesus Christ. You and you alone make the decision to separate from him. I want to leave you today with the scripture, Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is now my perspective that I wake up daily believing. Everything else is just a distraction from the grace I have found in Jesus Christ. My name is Amy Kennedy, and this has been my story. As I've said in many podcasts, my story has not been easy, and it certainly hasn't always been bright but it has been beautiful because the grace of God through my Lord Jesus Christ has been with me the entire time. I would love to hear what God has and is doing in your life. Please email me anytime at formerpastorwife at outlook.com. You can also check out my YouTube page, Lessons of a Former Pastor's Wife, to watch quick, uplifting videos to help you gain a new perspective daily. My website, Lessons of a Former Pastor's Wife, is in the works and will hopefully be up and running by this winter when I am very hopeful to have my newest book, King of Harkin, ready for sale. It's a Christian fantasy that follows the story from my first book, Seed of Searling, which is still available for sale in paperback, on, or in Kindle version on Amazon. I am praying for all my listeners 
please email me if you wish for more specific prayer. I ask God to bless you as you work on changing your perspective on your own life this week. Many blessings and all my love.